You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Thursday afternoon. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. We are streaming live on YouTube. So thanks to everybody who is joining us there live. Hit the like button while you're there. And uh, it's so nice and beautiful, a spring sunny day that why not be inside talking Illini athletics? We got a hodgepodge of things to talk about. And we is me, Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher and Joey Wagner. We got some Illini women's basketball news to talk about. A big transfer commitment. We'll talk to all about it. Joey Wagner just caught up with Camille Hobby, the NC State transfer center. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Finally, he's putting to rest all my Brian Winhorst memes about why why hasn't he why hasn't he declared for the draft? He did declare for the draft. What's that mean for him and the Illini? We'll talk about that and uh, Illinois football. Has a big recruiting weekend as well coming up. Oh, and the Big Ten has a new commissioner. A lot to talk about, Joey Wagner. How are you, man? I'm good, man. A lot to talk about. You're running a little bit of a monopoly here on these 1 o'clock time slots uh, on YouTube, man. It's a Jeremy Warner hour. I guess. It's wor- it's working out well. I got away from the radio show to, to stop from you know going into a certain time. But uh, it just works out for everybody, uh, at least for us. So uh, it's been working well, and, and the response to this is, has been great. And before we get into everything, I do want to say, like, the support, whether you support us just watching us on YouTube or support us listening on the podcast, is phenomenal. Any way you guys can support us is great. Um, we work hard for you guys, and uh, we enjoy our job as well. But if you really want to support us, the VIP subscription is the best way to go. And this week, we are running a 50% off annual membership for your first year that's more than $60 in savings. And there's just barely a better time to do it with the transfer portal in college basketball heating up. Nobody's better than Derek Piper covering that. Uh, so get all the insight there. Obviously, big football recruiting weekend. We got spring ball continuing to go on, Joey, and we're just a week away from the spring game, man. So uh, we're going to get an even better look at Illinois. We've really only gotten one in-depth look, so just kind of a perfect time for everybody to to hop on board. And, and Joey, you're, you've been covering the heck out of Illinois women's basketball, and you had some insight into uh, some of their transfer possibilities, including Camille Hobby earlier this week. So uh, just a busy like April has turned into our busiest traffic month and, and one of our busiest months uh, of work. Is and we got the NFL draft next week. Or two weeks. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too. I, I just want to echo what you said, dude. Like I, I watch when you have Piper and you have Latulip, and it's a lot of people watching this live, uh, giving us an hour or so of their day in the middle of the day, and that's awesome, dude. Like that is awesome to see the response. Um, obviously, April is an anxiety-filled month <laughs> for fans. I get it. I understand it, but there's a lot of interest too, and it's just really cool to see how much response this has gotten. We'll dive into the Terrence Shannon news here in a little bit, declaring for the draft. But I do want to give the floor, and I guess this would be the A block of, of a podcast, usually the A block. Uh, it's the top news uh, if you're doing a, a broadcast show here. But uh, Camille Hobby is a big-time commitment for Shauna Green, 
who has had a phenomenal first year, obviously, leading Illinois to its first NCAA tournament in women's basketball in more than 20 years. But we knew, Joe, watching this team all year, dynamic. They can compete with anybody on the perimeter. Uh, but if they had one person in foul trouble, most notably Kendall Bostic, if uh, Bryn Shoup Hill was injured like she was towards the end of the year, there just was not a lot of depth up front. So to add a six foot three, proven high major center who averaged eight points, four rebounds for a perennial NCAA tournament program like NC State uh, is, is a huge deal. And, and if you look at some of these transfer rankings, uh, ESPN, Charlie Cream does a great job covering the women's basketball scene. He has her as a top 20 prospect. I saw another site that had her as a top 20 transfer prospect. So what do you make of this, Joey, adding Camille Hobby? What's this mean for Illinois women's basketball? It means, they're, I mean, one, they're developing depth. And like, and that's not to say Camille Hobby's simply a depth piece, uh, but they're developing depth and their pitch. Like the, that's, I think, the most notable thing is is how much their pitch has changed. I, I went to Shauna's office and talked to her, I think it was last week, and we just kind of talked about all of that. Like if you backtrack a little bit in time, a year ago the building wasn't done. They hadn't won a game. Like, it, there was a lot of questions. Like, how long would this take? What's it going to look like? Will any marked progress happen? And all of that happened in a year. And Shauna made a good point. She said, look, bigs are kind of over-recruited in the transfer portal, Jeremy. They're not enough bigs. I mean, we, we've talked about it in every sport. Like, what you don't have enough of is, is very coveted. So to go in and land a top 20 transfer prospect who averaged 8.8 .8 points, 4.2 rebounds in 21 minutes for NC State, that's a really big pickup because to your point, when Kendall Bostic got in foul trouble, it changed the tenor of games. That's not a knock on Kendall Bostic. It's just the reality that there was not enough impact post-depth. There was not enough in that rotation to be able to sustain through that, and it hurt them at times down the stretch. So getting her, getting Camille Hobby, a veteran who's been around, who's been on winning teams, I know when we talk to Shauna Green, that's going to be something that's brought up because she talked about it with Genesis Bryant. It's a big addition for them. I will see what else they're able to do in the portal to, to complement their team, Hobby, and their two incoming freshmen. Yeah, so you just got off the phone with Camille not too long ago, Joey. Uh, what stood out to you about that conversation with her? It, it's a few things. Number one, she's had a previous relationship with, with Shauna Green. Shauna Green was at Dayton, recruited her. Uh, very similar. Dude, you can go back to these stories. Obviously, Makaira Cook and Brent Pill played for her at Dayton. But if you yeah. go back to Genesis Bryant, it was, hey, Shauna Green followed me all over the country, watched me play AAU ball, and tried like heck to recruit me. Uh, but let's be honest. You can go to NC State, a perennial, you know, deep tournament team, or you can go to Dayton, an A-10 team that you lose in the A-10 tournament, you might not even get to the NCAA tournament. It's a pretty easy decision but the, I, I think the Shauna Green's ability to cultivate and maintain relationships I think that's really important and then Camille Hobby said you know I I'm good friends with Genesis Bryant so I would watch Illinois games during the year and you would see her uh, strive and, and thrive excuse me and see all the things that Hobby knew she could do yeah. and now she's able to put that all together so I, I think there's just a comfort there and Shauna Green and her coaching staff do a good job of cultivating and maintaining that comfort and I think that's something as you look big picture it is transferable you, you can use that in different elements whether you miss on a recruit the first time and come back a second time like it, it, that matters when you're trying to build something I mean Shauna Green is basically batting a thousand in the transfer portal I mean think of what she added last year Makaira Cook a first team all big 10 selection 
right? In a loaded Big Ten. She was phenomenal. Uh, then you get Bryn Shoup Hill, who's a stretch forward. I think she's going to continue to get better and better, but that's another starter for you. And then you mentioned Genesis Bryant, former four-star prospect. She recruited at Dayton, wasn't able to land because she went to the bigger program at NC State. Uh, a girl who's thinking of quitting basketball, and then all of a sudden she averages 15 points a game, is all Big Ten. Kendall Bostic gets better. Dahlia McKenzie gets better. Um, so, listen, she said this before. Shauna did not expect this year. Like, she was basically setting us up that eh, it could be a struggle because of depth, and a big reason was their lack of depth in the post. Now you have a good season, and you can pitch that to a Camille Hobby, a top 20 transfer, and she picks you over some other really good options. And all of a sudden, you are building depth and you're building the talent base that maybe last year isn't a one-off. Because let's be honest, like this team towards the end of the year wasn't playing its best basketball, um, but that Iowa win really helped them sneak into the NCAA tournament. So now can you do it again? Well, you got to add more talent. You got to add more depth to do that. And, and Shauna Green's doing that, man. Like it's, it's, just conti- she continues to be impressive in so many ways. Um, whether it's putting her staff together, getting the transfers initially, playing great basketball for most of the year, and now adding the transfer portal, you have one of your assistants become a head coach at the uh, uh, Division One level, and Ryan Gensler uh, just couldn't be more impressed with Sean Green's first calendar year on the job. No, look, eventually not everything's going to be roses here. Right. Uh, well, now there's expectations, be... right? Now there's expectations. That's right. Yeah, and I wrote about it leaving Notre Dame from the NCAA tournament. Like, it's it's time to maybe turn the perception of how we look at this this Illinois women's basketball program. From last season, I get it. Like, we were part of it. I mean, it's a big story. Like, you go from this really really bad program for decades, and you turn into an NCAA tournament team. But now it's it's probably time to to put that further in the rear view and and look at what this team and maybe an eye towards the future a little bit, Jeremy, but Hobby's big in, in, in the sense also that they have a strong core. Kendall Bostic, Makaira Cook, Genesis Bryan, Adalia McKenzie, Brent Shupil, uh, th- those girls are all back for the, possibly the next two postseasons. Uh, you add Hobby in there for one, then you bring in the freshmen, and you're still trying to make some in-state splashes in the class of 2024. Oh, there's some really good prospects. Haven Smith up at Lincoln Way East. Aliyah Guyton at Peoria High. I mean, there's options out there. They're, they're working those. So you just got to you got to keep this thing going, right? Like you've got to keep the momentum going and improve. Like this isn't a one-off year. And I don't like as we observe this just objectively. It's it's kind of hard to think it was. Yeah. Uh, especially as you start to add in the talent. So things are good. Eventually they'll they'll <laughs> struggle, and, and some of it's going to be the expectations are going to shift from happy to be here to okay. You know, make a run, but right now things are pretty good on that side of oven. Yeah, and you're adding two high major uh, freshman guards, Gretchen Dolan, Miss New York, um, Corey Allen, won back-to-back national championships with Montverde, which is obviously a powerhouse program, but uh, two players that could potentially play right away, give you more depth, more long-term options as potential league guards down the line, um, but I didn't think if they just return the same core, they're making the NCAA tournament again. Like, I didn't think that was guaranteed. So you had to add to it. And Camille Hobby's a good start. I would imagine, Joey, they try to add another front court piece. Yeah, I would imagine they're going to be looking around um, front court wing. I mean, what else is out there? Like, you've got a pitch to go and you got some space. So, yeah, man, I'm curious to see what they do. And depth is important. Most of these starters are playing 30 plus, 35 minutes a game. 
In, in it wasn't sustainable, man. Yeah. It, it wasn't. And and you saw, like, when Brent Pill wasn't 100% in that tournament game, Kendall Bostic certainly wasn't. You saw, man, like, what, what's that team look like if, if one of those two or both of those two are at 100? And there was just very little margin for error. I think it's kind of the best way I can summarize that yeah. the women's basketball team last year. It was just little, very little margin. Like, you, you lose to Genesis Bryant – uh, you think it could be a lot longer. It's not, and that probably saved you, probably actually got you in the tournament. Uh, you sh- everything had to break right in terms of injuries and all of that, and you've got to find a way to build around that. Yeah. Well, now, if you have foul trouble, you got multiple bigs you can go to, right? You have a different, taller, bigger big in Camille Hobby than, than Kendall Bostic, who's built more like a four. Uh, in my opinion, then Bruce Pill a stretch for. So, uh, like what she's building, man, and we'll see what more she can add as the season goes along. All right, this is not surprising news that Terrence Shannon Jr. would declare for the NBA draft. It was surprising to me that it took him a while, right? Two weeks after Coleman Hawkins declares for the draft, after most of the top 50 guys and many beyond that have declared for the draft just to uh, – decide, hey, I'm going to go through the process. Terrence Shannon finally announces it yesterday. He did not specify whether he will maintain his college eligibility. I would assume he is uh, because you can just find an agent that uh, is approved by the NCAA to keep your eligibility. Uh, So that's usually the case, but don't have specifics on that. But he has been considering a return to Illinois. Like That is still, that has been under consideration. I would imagine that is still under consideration. But he's a top 40, top 45 projected prospect in this class, which is a pretty decent class. I think it's got some good depth to it. Um, So it would be a surprise if he did not declare for the draft. But now it is real. And now this means, Joey, Illinois and Illinois fans are going to have a suspenseful six weeks ahead before the May 31st deadline for these guys to decide whether to return or not. The NBA draft combine is mid-May in Chicago. I would imagine both Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins will get invited to that. And then they can get their feedback and decide whether they want to return to college or not. So it's going to be suspenseful six weeks. That kind of leaves uh, not only fans kind of what's going to happen, but Brad Underwood also has to continue to build a roster um, despite Shannon and Hawkins not knowing the answers on those guys. Yeah, and we've seen this play out before, right? We saw Kofi Coburn uh, declare, and really last offseason wasn't it. It was the 2021 offseason where it was a long waiting game, and that's part of it, man. Like, yeah. if you want NBA talent, there's there's going to be a waiting process. Uh, they probably have better feels of it than we do. I thought I'm with you. I, I thought Terrence Shannon not – noting his eligibility status was interesting uh but i don't necessarily think that's a foregone conclusion that he he wouldn't return uh i mean everyone's kind of got agents anyway with nil right (laughs) Right. Uh, so like unless you really aren't coming back like if you for sure aren't you definitely say that right like you know we've seen reports of, of some of these top 15 picks come out and it's will not be maintaining my eligibility or, you know, whatever the case may be all in. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard for us because we can't make any declarative or definitive one way or the other. But I think if you read the room and probably understand that I'm with you, I would assume that option is still on the table for him when you're second round, when you're likely projected in the second round. Uh, most guys don't necessarily box themselves in, right? And 
you know, because he didn't say it doesn't mean it's not the case, but it's a waiting game now, man. Like you said, it's there's going to be a lot of anxiety for six weeks, and I, I don't like. I wish I had a more comforting stance other than look, man. This is just it's the process part of it, man. It's part of it, and well, here here's what I would say: Who would have thought a year ago or even a month ago that there was even a chance Terrence Shannon would use a fifth year of eligibility? Um, I don't even know if people were projecting Terrence Shannon to score 17 points a game, be a first-team All-Big Ten guy. I, I thought he could be a first-team All-Big Ten guy. But he had the season like that really raised his stock. He answered a lot of questions. I still think he's left some questions out there about his his ability to play make by himself, his, his shooting wasn't great this year, and kind of that, that more high-usage role on a team that didn't have a – a real point guard for him most of the year, um, but he's still what the NBA is looking for in terms of size, length, ability to play two ways. He can shoot and catch and shoot. He's proven that at Texas Tech, and then this year he showed more of the ability to kind of create for himself a little bit. So he's he's a three and deep kind of guy with a little bit of playmaking at the NBA level. I don't think he's a star, uh, but he's already played four years in college. So if this guy is told... He's a top 45 draft pick, which most of those guys get guaranteed contracts nowadays. Uh, I, I'd i be shocked if he decided to come back. But it's a new world of college basketball, Joey, in that he can make significant NIL dollars. So if he gets the feedback that you're probably a two-way player on an unguaranteed contract of about half a million, I could see him coming back. He really enjoyed this past year. I think he wants to win at Illinois. I think his family loved that he played at this level. And while he's going to be 23 next season, next year's NBA draft supposedly is one of the worst in the last decade when it comes to talent. So could he raise a stock? Could he help himself get a guaranteed contract? Potentially. Um, but that's all got to play out. He's He's been open. I, I think we know that. He has been talking to the, the collectives here at Illinois weighing his options and now one of his options he's made it clear is going to be the nba which i think we all expected so now what this means for brad underwood right i don't know if this changes a lot i mean i asked him the other day about terrence not declaring for the draft and he didn't say anything about recruiting a wing right i I think there's a little bit more optimism in this program about Terrence Shannon could come back. Doesn't mean he will, but that he's open to potentially coming back. He's still working out with Adam Fletcher and the team right now, which I think you know some of these guys just leave and go to their agents wherever they want to go, whatever workout facility they wanted to, uh, without whatever trainer they want to. He's staying with Adam Fletcher in, in Illinois for the moment, which I find really interesting. But Brad Underwood, I think, is still going to do what he's going to do, which is I'm going to go find a center, I'm going to go find a point guard, and then. If Coleman Hawkins decides to come back, great. If Terrence Shannon decides to come back, great. But I still have Harmon. I still have Damask. I still have Rodgers, Harris, and Goody. So I'm not empty on the wing, but maybe I can make up some of that production with a top-tier league guard, bring him in as a transfer, a top-tier center potentially if they can land one. Um, I think that's going to be their track until Shannon and Hawkins decide to make a decision because – a great center and a great point guard can still play with Shannon and Hawkins. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I thought to your first point about him not bringing up a wing when you asked him was curious. I mean, I thought we were tired of the wind horse things, but maybe not. I, I don't do? know. Like, the, look, the, the portal is 
there's always going to be players in the portal. Like there, there just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're going to miss on guys. Like it's just part of it. I'm just we're two years into this. I'm, I'm going to dovetail a little bit away, Jeremy. Like I don't know how to approach conversations still around roster building because if you sit here on April 13th and try to write down what it's going to be like you're wasting your time yeah. you're probably working yourself up to get angry or scared or nervous or whatever and, and it could change by I mean it is it's going to change by the end of May so that's, like it's, that's it's why anybody the right balance with these yeah and I get like we have to create content so us in the media are going to do our our top yeah, this 25 isn't a knock on, I, like no. it's just hard to try to like talk about this because there's so much changing like if Terrence Shannon doesn't come back of course Brad Underwood's gonna gonna go out and try to to get a wing but you try to build around that where you can mitigate the the punch if he doesn't right like there's roster building's hard and I think we're all learning to how to like approach it in terms of how we think and I'm not trying to get away from the the topic it's just because it's just a lot of reckoning with trying to understand what it is now yeah, so if Terrence Shannon decides to come back to Illinois, they're a Big Ten title contender, right? Like, I, I think he's the best guard in the Big Ten returning. Um, you would have – I'm assuming they're going to land a point guard. I'm assuming they might they add, have to. Yeah, they'll <laughs> add some kind of front court help, whether it's a top-tier guy or not. Uh, I would lean toward – like, this is just me reading where he's mocked, where he's slated to go, and just what Coleman has said – I, I would I would think it's more likely Coleman Hawkins returns than leaves, but he's still got to go through the process. Maybe that changes. And it takes a promise. We've seen yeah. that in the Big Ten. Damascus here, Harmon is here, Goody Harris, right? Like, I don't know. That's probably not the front runner in the Big Ten by any means, but that's that's a team that I think can, is a top half Big Ten team that can compete at a very high level if Shannon comes back. If Shannon does not come back, I still think you can be a good team depending on who you land, obviously, in the portal. But I think you could still be an NCAA tournament team. But I, I, it's hard to imagine a, a Big Ten title contender without Terrence Shannon. But the fact that that's still on the board, when I, I just assumed a month ago Terrence Shannon was gone. Yeah, I think we all did. Like, th- this, this is the part that's changed, like, quickly. Because from last May or April when he committed to Illinois to now, I think all of us operated under the thought that well, that's it's going to be a one-year deal, and, and Brad's going to have to go out and find another wing, which is a very reasonable thought. It might still come to be, but like you, it's you just got to feel feel it out, right? Like he changes the calculus of what you want this off what this off season can be if he comes back. I'm with you on Coleman. I mean, he's kind of like actively recruiting on Twitter uh, <laughs> from from time to time. Like I, I would lean towards unless it team Caleb Houston's him and, and yeah. gives him a promise to say. You know, we'll take you at X spot, you know. But, yeah, you, you'd lean towards that. Just It's just weird. Like, I'm not trying to say we're, we're wasting our time talking. It's just a weird thing to try to talk about. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out the best way to go about doing it because it's still new-ish. Maybe yeah. not as new, obviously. And if Terrence decides to stay in the draft, I still think there will be – if you want to go get another wing, I don't think the portal is going to be empty. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's going to be guys withdrawing from the draft, perhaps going into the yeah. portal, like when you, here's the thing, when your program, like when you're a high major top half of a high major conference program, there's not necessarily like a shortage. If you're actively shopping, there's not necessarily a shortage of players. Generally speaking, I mean, you think that's fair? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause when you're the Missouri Valley, 
all your first team players decide to go up a level after after that. We're seeing that going on right now. Um, and and let's say this is a win win for Illinois. Either Terrence Shannon comes back or Terrence Shannon gets drafted into the NBA, and you have another player in the NBA and another great sell to the next transfer, potentially next Chicago kid who who wants to transfer back home, right? Like so that that's that's an it's not a bad thing for Illinois regardless. Certainly it'll impact what happens in 2023-24. I want to ask you, Joey, uh, I haven't had you on the podcast since Monday when Illinois gets two transfer commitments, Marcus Damask from Southern Illinois and, uh, of course, Justin Harmon out of Utah Valley. Just what were your takeaways about those two additions? Yeah, I thought you and Piper have handled Like, the fits make sense. Like, I don't think either one of those two inhibits you from going and landing somebody else. Like, I, I think – it's interesting that we've how we've seen the portal kind of go. And this year's shopping is probably a little different than a year ago when last year was like very clear. You needed some some stars to replace the guys you lost. But I, I think it's an interesting approach to go out and probably the right one, in my opinion, to go out and get maybe some more complimentary role players, guys who are hungry. I know Michael Tulip is, has talked to you about that. He's a big fan of, of kind of some of those guys moving up and being that prove-it type of, of player, but neither one of those two stops you from making a splash at another position. I don't think there's anyone who's going to be on a recruiting Zoom or visit who would say, "Oh, well, I don't know, what do my shots go here or here, or my role is here." I think those are good complementary pieces. Guys that you look at teams who make tournament runs, they have they have those guys who put up statistically similar profiles, and that's of course factoring what we think it'll be from being like the lead man at Utah. Yeah. Valley or the lead man at SIU and, and coming into a different role at Illinois, like you need that stuff. And, and Domask in particular, there's a lot that Illinois didn't do very well a year ago. And I know Brad Underwood, Jeremy on Tuesday night raved about Harmon's ability on both sides of the ball and they like his defense. So it makes sense, man. It makes sense. It doesn't, doesn't create any roster blockages. Uh, you've got to start building out this way. And I, I think that's a, something to note and maybe down the line to ask Brad about is how you've gone about building via the portal and what that timeline looks like. Yeah, I think they were pretty precise moves to fix some areas uh, that you were weak in. Uh, you just didn't have many two-way guards last year, right? Like, I know Jaden Epps graded out well at points defensively, but, man, teams attacked him. Um, you know, you didn't have a lot of guys that could – handle the ball, get to the rim, and maybe play some good defense. Like, I, I know Latua maybe isn't buying Harmon as, as a elite on-ball defender like some people are putting out there, but I do think he can be average to above average at the very worst. Uh, and just a, a bigger guard that can get to the rim, can make some threes. And Damas just does so many things well. Like, there's just not a lot of weaknesses to his game. No, he's not the best athlete. Illinois has got some pretty dang good athletes in Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers. If Coleman Hawkins comes back, it's a pretty dang good athlete. Terrence Shannon comes back, pretty dang good athlete. Um, I, I just think those are really nice complimentary pieces. I think Damas can be one of the best players on the team, on a successful team. Uh, he can't be the number one guy, in, in my opinion, uh, if you want to be a successful team in the Big Ten, but... Uh, I, I was a huge fan of that addition. I get why Harmon makes sense too with, with Shannon kind of up in the air, at least for the moment, at least gives you a proven scorer at this level. So I, I just think they're, they're the moves to that really fill out a roster that really fill out a rotation that kind of, as you said, 
are kind of the first moves that could really make the other moves easier and, and really make those other moves fit and pop a little bit more because there was so much on Shannon and so much on Meyer because there was so much youth across the rest of the roster outside of really Coleman Hawkins. Um, if Shannon Hawkins come back, like, I, I think these moves so far make it more appealing for those guys to come back and make it more appealing potentially for a point guard to come in here. Yeah, I also want to add, like, I'm not going to – I don't think you and I are interested in wasting time who's going to start and who's going to not when half the roster is still in flux here. But there were moments last year that we sat there and asked each other in certain lineups, like, who's your scorer here? Who's getting you points in this lineup? And I just feel like Domask and Harmon are guys who you can say, well, that's probably one guy who's out there. Even if it's not with the starting unit, like, you're still – there's still going to be rotation guys. And anyone who can get you buckets and still – be able to have guys who are a little more offensively developing, Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers out there. Like, you need guys to get you buckets and not compromise everything. I just think there's just a lot of moving parts as to why that fits. Let's address that big question, as Mark asks on our live YouTube, is Illinois in contention for any point guards currently in the portal, or are they waiting for someone to come back from the draft? It certainly feels like the latter, Joey, that they are they are waiting they have a good idea of guys. Brad Underwood said the other day, we have our eyes on guys. Um, obviously, they're connected. I think, you know, I think Fran McCaffrey said this yesterday. Or one of the coaches that we talked to at Gordyville said, if, if you're, I think it was Painter, actually. If a guy, you kind of know right away whether the guy knows where he's going. Like, it, some guys are open once they hit the portal. Other guys know where they're going right away. Um, I, it feels like Illinois has good pulse that they're going to get a league guard because they, they aren't desperate. You haven't heard them connected to a lot of current guards still in the portal. Right. So like a tea leaves type thing. And when you see all these point guards who are in the portal and, and our favorite here from season or hearing from season on Twitter, Illinois is not really in the mix for a lot of those. And it's very clear when Brad Underwood says, we're going to be out for a point guard. Like, you can't hide that, I don't think, right? So, like, we know they need a point guard. We know they've not been necessarily attached. Now, they do move a little more quietly than some staffs who want everybody to know that X players have interest. Uh, so, so, there's that element, but you can't they, have They a, are have, pretty stealthy, right? They I mean, are. Damascus but you can't. Damas came as a little bit of a surprise. The visit's set up. Yeah. Uh, we know they've been attached to other guys. Like, listen, there's there's some big guys. I'm Jesse Edwards from Syracuse. You don't see Illinois' name attached to them, but I'd be shocked, shocked if they don't have high interest in Jesse Edwards from Syracuse. So j- just to kind of prove your point, like yeah. they do operate a little bit more stealthy in this stuff. They do, but at the same time, you can't have like, dude, there's nobody who follows college basketball daily who thinks Illinois is fine from a point guard standpoint. <laughs> like, this is, like, the most, like, hey, that team sure does need a point guard team probably in America right now. That's uh, probably a little bit of an exaggeration. But they don't – I mean, you can't hide that. So, when you don't hear anything attached, like, so there's there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Right? So, that tells me that I would suspect they're probably waiting on, on people in the portal just if you read the tea leaves around it. Yeah. And then th- – Brad said front court pieces. I think I think it'll probably be one. They got two open scholarships at the moment. Of course, that can change if Shannon or Hawkins go. So I would say if Hawkins leaves, 
they could get two front court pieces to, to play with Dane Danger. But they certainly seem like they want a center. They've been ta- attached to Sean Phillips, LSU transfer. Didn't play a bunch this past year, but they recruited him out of high school. Long, athletic, shot blocker. Makes a lot of sense next to a guy like Dane Danger. If you can do that is your big man rotation. But again, a guy like Jesse Edwards, who's one of the top guys in the portal right now, makes a lot of sense too. They seem to be big game hunting. With, with these two pieces, though, that that's what I would definitely say. Like We know they've been interested in Caden Shedrick, but I don't think they're just going to look for, hey, this guy can can be an okay point guard. They like they want one of their – they want this point guard to be one of their best players. They they are shooting high for, for centers. Well, I don't I don't think Hunter Dickinson is going to be that guy, but uh, I do think they seem like they're, they're big game hunting at this point. It does feel like that, and to our point from earlier, is that a way to, one – you know, get those starts. Also, hedge if one over both of Hawkins or Shannon does stay in the draft. Like I, again, there's moving pieces to this, but it, I'm with you, dude. It's very seems like if Illinois wanted to go get any point guard, I'm sure there's a point guard out there who would have signed up to come in and start on a Big Ten team trying to win a, a Big Ten championship, and yeah. that's not happened. So it does appear that they have their eyes. Just from reading from the outside, it appears they've got their eyes set. So somebody asked me. Um... If I ask Derek Piper if they have a guy lined up, like I, I try not to put myself in that situation too much, um, but it's clear that they feel good about some of their options. And I know some of the names people are asking about in the chat with like Tiger Campbell. I've seen people tweet about that. Tiger's not entered the portal yet. He, he declared for the NBA draft. But if that guy comes available, yes, you're going to have interest in him. Like he's an unbelievable player. He's one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball, a great winner. So, yeah, if he comes available, I would expect Illinois to be highly, highly interested in him. And that's just me not having inside information. It's just like, yeah. that's just logic. Yeah, it's, it's just, just logic, logic. And it's Cedar Rapids kid looking for NIL probably. Like, yeah, Illinois makes a lot of sense. Or I've mentioned the name. We're talking about NBA draft guys who have uh, entered the draft, haven't entered the portal. Like, yeah, a guy like Ray J. Dennis is everyone's filling up our chat about. He'd be a phenomenal get. Like, he hasn't proven himself at the high major level, but he's the uh, MAC player of the year. Like, so if he does decide to enter the portal, yeah, but he hasn't at this point. But we got to see what happens over the next month or two. Yeah, a lot of this is pretty pretty much logic, dude. Like, does Illinois have interest in a potential, an NBA caliber point guard to play point guard for them? Yes. And Illinois is not alone in that. Every team has interest in an NBA caliber point guard. Now, I also think it's interesting. You look at Illinois and all offseason. At this time, all offseason, we were talking about, should they really all freshmen at point guard, huh? Wow, yeah. we'll see how that plays out. That is most certainly not the case <laughs> right now. Um, it does not appear to us that Brad has a lot of interest in going freshman at that position. Um, I mean, Drake gibbs Allhorn has a chance to play. Right, he's yeah, really yeah, athletic, yeah. explosive, can go get buckets, but you're not relying on him to be your point guard next year. Yeah, I'm with you. So, veteran point guard, preferably people with experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, but again, that that makes sense for every team, man. And while being patient is going to be really, really nerve wracking for fans, it could pay off for Illinois because a lot of these big time programs have already added league guards there's only so many big time like definite ncaa tournament caliber programs that produce some nba prospects who are going to have that point guard spot open and uh illinois has a good sell especially if some of these guys come back um 
And I, I think obviously they got a good track of development, a good track of winning, and uh, you know have developed a couple NBA prospects as well. And, and I think Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon, that their transfers worked out well for them individually. I think Matthew Meyer is going to have a chance to play in a summer league and potentially have a chance to play in, in the G League or get onto an NBA roster. And then Terrence Shannon, I feel like if he wants to, can can be on a, a two way contract next year at the very minimal. Yeah, I'm with you. I- uh, and like an unsolicited, I don't know. It's fun watching this because there's some, there's a portion of the fan base who's like, oh yeah, and like likes to dream of every possibility in every scenario, and there's another portion who's like, nope, no thank you, this is entire, and that's okay too. Like I don't think any one of those is wrong. If this isn't for you, man, hey, that's okay. Like basketball will be there in October when when the rosters are are finalized. But if you like, I don't know. It's just it's been interesting to watch over the course of the last. 12, 18 months, how it's kind of split from from that. Uh, I don't know, man. Dream of whatever you want to dream of. If it's too much, it's too much. But I promise you, Brad will have a team that, look, in October, you're probably going to like this team. Yeah. You may not have liked the road, uh, but you're probably going to like this team. I think. I think. I think in early June, you're going to look at your roster and think you have a chance. I gave a really great chance of making the NCAA tournament and a decent chance to compete in the top half of the Big Ten. Like, am I, am I being too positive there? Um, I, I just feel like this staff has not had an issue getting talent. And, and um, I don't know, the, the depth could be really good if even just one of these Shannon Hawkins comes back and, and you add a lead guard. I'm with you. I mean, I, I think – I don't think you always have to – like, there's, there's a portion who says just trust the staff, trust the staff. And that's okay if you don't, but you do have to understand how they approach it. Like, their approach really hasn't changed – when this portal since when this portal thing took over like you know that they're gonna like there's another wave coming after the nba withdrawal did like you know all these timelines and if you don't trust them that's that's your prerogative and i you know whatever but like the 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 way they've approached it's been pretty steady for the last you know year or so i just don't i, I have no I have no fear of them being empty-handed i have no fear no, of them, no 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 i have no fear of them trotting out a point guard that is not capable Right at the Big Ten level, come next November. Like I, I don't have that because I've seen Brad Underwood go get talent and talent. Like the problem was last year, we brought it up all last offseason. One of the biggest questions about this team: they have two freshman point guards. Is that going to come back and haunt them? And it did. So maybe at the end of this, Joey, we got a question of, man, Terrence Shannon went to the NBA. I don't think they got enough scoring. I don't know if they have enough. You know, they they have that dude. Um, maybe they have some depth. Maybe they can be a plucky team, but I just don't see them as a contender, right? But I, I think they're going to have a competitive team here in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'm with you. Look, they're not going to get a transfer from Milliken to play point guard for them, okay? Milliken, nice D3 program. That's not what it's going to be. They don't, like, got, they don't got like a point guard that's averaging like 30 a game or something? I, you know, I'm sure if I looked it up, <laughs> I would, I'd see someone like, oh, you know, no. Like, you know they're, they're going to get talent. But that – to your point, I thought it was a really good point, Jeremy. Like, that doesn't mean at the end of June, it's like, no questions about them. Oh, Pencil yeah. them in for the final. Like, no way. Like, there's always going to be questions about every single team in the country. I just think there's a wide spectrum from having questions to, oh my God, this is going to be the worst. Like, mm-hmm. but I get, but I also understand the roller coaster of emotions from the opening of the transfer portal to the withdrawal of the NBA deadline. That is a long two months. And there's a lot of moving pieces. Like, dude, I get it, man. Like, yeah. 
if you follow this and you like that is stressful 100 percent. that is very stressful to try to because it's just who we want right like it's stressful and exciting i mean there's an excitement now because there's the there unknown. doesn't appear to be a lot of overlap you're either stressed <laughs> or you're excited I, I think uh i think given where your program is it's you should be kind of excited about listen i know you want more you want more you want more but um I think they're going to have a, a competitive roster. And I'm really intrigued to see how this all plays out. Uh, but the way they're, they're going to be a good team. Yeah, the way they're operating, the way the confidence that's that's emanating from Brad Underwood and, and seemingly from the staff right now, I, I feel like they'll be okay. It's about will they be will they be better than last year? Will they be will they raise the bar, or is it just about making the NCAA tournament? And then you got to replace most of your roster again next year, like. That I understand. Uh, some talent acquisition has not been a problem for Illinois, no. especially since they turned it up in that COVID canceled season. Yeah, talent retention in March have been the issues uh, here recently. All right, Joey, uh, I wanted to bring up uh, we're a week from the spring game. We're not getting much of a look re- recently since the the scrimmage we got to see. Uh, and you've been down there talking with the guys more than anything. Any, any notes you want to add? We'll do a big spring game preview at some point next week. And and my thing with the spring game is, yeah, everyone's going to be locked in on Altmaier and the quarterbacks and all that. For me, it's about, you know, Jordan Anderson, Aiden Woffrey, seeing some of those guys, um, you know, the, the secondary, seeing who, who who makes some plays, who steps up there. Uh, so that's kind of my sneak peek at what, what I'll be looking for because I think we know who most of the starters will be. I think we know – Luke Altmaier's got a pretty dang good chance being the starter. They're throwing out social media clips of him often. I, I think that tells you something. Um, but anything new? <laughs> anything new uh, that you want to share about Illinois football that we've learned? I just I put out a position battle piece last. I don't know what day. Today's Thursday. It's almost been Sunday or Monday. We put that out. I don't know that I've got a huge number of questions as far as the ones. Defensive secondary, I certainly – that's where I have – probably the most at a few positions and most questions but and look the co- <laughs> we, we have to acknowledge before we go any further Brett Bielma is not going to name a starter on April 19th at literally any position other than like Julian Pearl Isaiah Adam, like your your major stars are just like the obvious ones right? how many how many can we There's, name how, how many would he be like comfortable with sure. like he would be comfortable with Keith Randolph John. Johnny Newton uh, Isaiah Adams. Isaiah Adams, Julian Pearl, Tariq Barnes. Isaiah Williams. Isaiah Williams, Tip Ryman. Who else? Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes. Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes. I don't know about C.J. Hart. I, th- I, I think he would say Taz. I think he would Taz say Taz Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah, I think Taz Nicholson would be in there. I don't think he'd even say like, listen, I think Caleb Giffen's going to be your starting kick- kicker. I don't think he'll say that yet. I think he's going to let that play out. Yeah. Also, a little bit of David Alano buzz is like circling yes. around. This dude has been really impressive. Oh, it sounds kicker like. buzz. He's I great. love it. Oh, man. That's where we are. But yeah, he's not like, if you want Brett Bielman to stand up there and say, Luke Altmaier is going to be the starter against Toledo, you should wait like three months, four months. Maybe. Yeah, I would say earliest we get that is second week of August. Yeah. Because wasn't DeVito like the second week they're like, all right, what are we doing here? Let's just announce it. Yeah, because I don't think even before like media days in July, no, that would knows. come up. Um, so yeah, I I don't know that there's a lot. The thing that I as I sit here and I look out my window and it's beautiful and it's we've had our windows open for a, all week. I'm like, dang, 
we got the one crappy day to watch a scrimmage that we <laughs> couldn't even see anything from like the quarterbacks because one I thought defensive line was really impressive that day and two it was horrible <laughs> like yeah. you couldn't I, dude, there's, I know we talked about it the last time. It was just irresponsible. It would have been to walk out of there with big swinging yeah. ideas about the quarterbacks. It was like I talked to some of the guys at Witherspoon's Pro Day, uh, Caleb Griffin and David Alano. Like, yeah, that was horrible to kick in. Uh, Keith Randolph, like, that's probably about as cold as I've been. He was, he was here. He was loudly uh, against being out there yes, <laughs> like, this So, like, I wish we could have changed the weather that day to get a more. Um, like a better feel for the quarterback, but we'll get that in the spring game. Like, I understand that. I, I do wish there was more open. We don't need to go down that road again, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I think a lot of the positions are settling and I think that, I think you nailed it. Go for people, go back and, and look at the position battles. I think for the most part, you nailed like th- those are the up for grabs. Let's see how this all settles, settles in. Yeah, I think so. Um, By I know this place just, by the way, Thursday for the spring game, which is Thursday, seventy six for your high, fifty six for your low. What a what a perfect! It's supposed to be a little windy, but uh, pretty good weather they picked out. It's gonna be colder earlier in the week, so lows of thirty five on Monday and Tuesday, low of fifty six. So even a seven o'clock kickoff should be in the sixties there, Joey. Let's see. Uh, what's the media dress code? Are shorts permitted for this, Jeremy? Yeah, sure. Oh man! As long as, you, as long as you got that that Alana Enquirer, I was going to wear like a Rodzilla shirt and just really make this. You have shown up to work in your uh, Aaron Rodgers Last Dance shirt. Before. Yeah. Then I found a way to a new wardrobe and realized <laughs> that it's time to be thirty-one. You got domesticated. Not. That's what happened. I got domesticated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am excited for the spring game. I, I genuine, genuinely am, um, and it's not just to your point about the quarterbacks, yeah. which. Obviously, we're interested. Yeah. I, with respect to Brett Bielema, I'm not approaching this like I think it's anything that resembles a competition. Uh, I think it's Luke Altmaier. It's a secondary for me, dude. Like That is where most of my attention will be is on that secondary. We talked to Miles Scott yesterday, and, and I'm trying to not go like full-blown with him because – he just moved over there, but like, there's been some good buzz about him. He's playing more free safety. It sounds like, yeah, Jeremy. First two weeks, he was a cornerback. What, what I um, love but, about that secondary, Joey, I think they're going to have some depth. I think they're going to be able to. If a guy struggles, they can put somebody else in. Um, you know, like guys. We, we haven't talked about Prince Green, Keontae Curry, all that much. Like, I think those guys are capable of going into a game and and competing. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to have some growing pains, but. That competition for, for all five of those spots, for the most part, outside of Taz, I think maybe Xavier Scott um, is is got to be pretty intense. Yeah, I'm with you. Can we do something? We didn't talk about this. Can we do like a five we're most excited to watch in the spring game, but like a snake we can't rename? Yeah, go for it. The others? Do you have it off the top of your head? Do you have five off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, I can figure it out. I'll figure it out. Um, you want to go, go first? Go first. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I've seen enough of Altmaier on film. I know what he is. I think he's the best quarterback, so I'm not going to put him there. For me, one is Jordan Anderson. Really? Okay. I, I, I want to see who's going to be the running back who could push Josh McCray or Reggie Love for points. I think Reggie Love is going to be, and Josh McCray are going to get the first shot at this. But I do think they are. there's going to be room for a third running back 
maybe fourth, uh, to, to get significant reps. So I'm just excited to see those guys because we haven't seen them play, really. I mean, Aiden Loffrey had a couple carries. Uh, so to see them against competition, I liked what I saw in, in the spring scrimmage we had with Jordan Anderson. I'm going to say Josh Crutes because, one, that center position is very up for grabs. And, two, we've seen the staff this offseason try to address that via the portal. Yeah. Uh, so my question all spring has been, can Josh Crutes grab this spot and hold on to it and, and not have Illinois feel like it's got to go on the portal to supplement some depth. I'll stay in the O-line that go Josh Geske um, because I think he's got a real chance to start and he'd be a very important piece for them. And they seem like they are pretty high on him and what he could be this year, but he'll likely be going up against Gabe Backus and Seth Coleman. So I think it'll be a great – Matt, you think about Josh Geske, like practice might be more difficult for him than games. This this fall. that's that's not even like the usual cliche that we hear. Like that's legitimately you're you got an all Big Ten guy staring at. You. I'm trying Every to th- like I got to get I got to get my Phil Steele manual here in a couple months, but I just don't know like how many outside linebackers are going to be better, edge rushers are going to be better than what he plays every day in practice and Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Xavier Scott. Uh, because I, I feel let me make sure I'm right I, see I have him written in pen as a starter at nickel like he is one of my like we can talk about risers he's one of my breakout candidates like I think he could be one of the best uh, pieces in the secondary this year yeah they, it still sounds like they like to flirt with the idea or tell us they're flirting with the idea of him playing corner but I'm with you I think I think this is your Quan Martin one for one replacement at nickel and he, I thought, like, it wasn't perfect last year when he went in as yeah. a true freshman in the middle of the Big Ten West race. But I thought he showed us some some stuff. And I, I went back and looked for it a little bit when I wrote about him. But it, part of me remembers Ryan Walters saying they almost they, – they recruited him for the nickel spot. I don't say that, I I, so. like, yeah. as confidently as I've ever said anything. But I, that's for whatever reason that's floating in my mind, and I don't think that would have changed just because Ryan Walters is gone yeah. either. So like, I keep going back to that. Yeah. All right. Um, I will go with Dylan Rosiak. Somebody's got to replace the production of Isaac Isaac Darkangelo, who had a phenomenal year last year. The, the staff was kind of hyping him up at this time and during training camp last year. And we're like, All right, former walk-on. We saw him play special teams. Rosiak was a special team. Rosiak's got some speed to him. He's a really smart uh, linebacker, and he's he's got the ability to cover as well. And I just liked what I saw in the spring scrimmage, so uh, I'm interested to see him because I, I think he's going to go out of reps. And when you get to see linebackers play tackle football as opposed to just wrapping up, uh, I, I think you get to see a lot from those guys. Don't Rosiak's on my list. Yeah, it looks a little different when like there's actually tackling. He's more of the instinct stuff. Yeah. Um, Griffin Moore. I think they need a second tight end. I think he can be a little bit more productive in the pass catching game than we've seen Illinois tight ends have. That certainly has been the buzz about him this spring and his ability to go out and and be a pass catcher. He's waited his turn uh, for a while. He's an all-program guy, but I think he can be a guy who can go out there and and make a little bit of an impact. Look, tight end two is wide open right now, in my opinion. I'm not going to double up at a position yet, but I'm going to go with a defensive lineman because what if you have an injury? Mm-hmm. If you have an injury and you didn't have that last year, Seb McConnell is a really important piece. Um, you know, behind 
Johnny Newton. Like he's the backup three tech. He can play a little nose. He played that in the in the bowl game. Maybe he could back up. I know Evan Kurtz has kind of been behind uh, Keith Randolph at that four eye technique, but uh, just to, can can you have Seth McConnell play 150 snaps so Johnny Newton can get a breather every once in a while? You don't want to keep Johnny Newton off the field uh, too long, but um, I, I'm interested because they Terrence Jameson has said some really positive things about said McConnell redshirt sophomore. That's when you expect these guys where it's O-line or D-line to, to really take off. You're not going to double up. I'm going to steal the person you were going to double up on say Caden Fagan. He's Ooh. a four star. Is that not who you were going to double up on? No, he's going to take another running back. Oh, okay. Well, that's... We could just throw him in there. Aiden Loffrey. Yeah. Aiden I, mean, Loffrey, I just yeah, want to see some speed. Look, man, he's the four star down the road freshman who looks like a grown adult. Um, and that's not to say that you and I think that Caden Fagan's going to have this monstrous role as a true freshman, but physically there's enough there that you look at him and say, what, what, what do we have here? Mm-hmm. Because he's a large kid. He's got more scoot. I uh, see a, a coach said we didn't have an answer for him for four years. He's certainly not alone. We, we, saw, we saw one rep at the goal line. It was a third and goal at the one. And uh, Caden Fagan made it. He made it into the end zone. Unsurprisingly, yeah. he made it. I'm just – this probably might be our best shot to see a lot of him. And don't you think Brett Bielma is this? We get into the third quarter of this thing on Big Ten Network. Don't you think he wants his four-star guy to get into the end zone at some point? Yes, I sure do. I if they could like have Malik Elzey go out and put on like someone else's jersey, I think yeah. he would do that too. Yeah. Like I, I, that's a good look for them. Yeah, maybe Malik will be on the sideline. And they'll have the sideline reporter do an interview with him or something. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to go a little more towards the future, not a true freshman, because I'm interested to see Kanari Wilcher, real speed, um, you know, Trey Smith, I'm really, but I'm going to go at that position. The guy that I think is on the two deep right now, that's Jared Beatty. Uh, didn't get to see him, was hurt last year, but he's really bulked up and saw some flashes of him at the scrimmage that we did see. And uh, obviously, Seth Coleman, Gabe Akis, Alec Bryant are the top three there, and I don't think we should overlook Bryant. And then Ezekiel Holmes could be back, but I'm just interested to see Jared Beatty a year into getting to campus, what he looks like, um, just trying to beat some blockers. Yeah, my last one is going to be Nicario Harper. Is he a guy that's going to be a transfer starter, or is he going to have somebody push him and overtake him? Uh, We haven't really seen him do much. We saw a little bit in the scrimmage, but – Excuse me. He's the guy, man. I'm really interested to see him. I feel like Ashton Hollins could be one of those guys who has a nice catch, big catch. Dude, he is so long. And he uh, <laughs> and people are like, who's I, that? I, yeah, I, I know we've said this on here before, but I asked George McDonald about like how much he was able to change his body. And George at EMPU in the same breath, he's like, look, they're so long you don't notice um, how, how much they've gained because they're so lanky. But he jumps out at you when, when you see this as a whole team. Like, he's yeah. so tall. And he's so long, like you cannot miss the guy. Uh, Big Ten has a new commissioner, Joey. Oh yeah, Tony Petiti. I can tell you one thing. I'll give people one thing here. Um, there were some people probably in the Illinois athletic office who breathed the sigh of relief because they feel like they have a guy who can be the Big Ten commissioner. I don't think he's publicly or with the the chancellors quite yet that guy. He's not the dean of the Big Ten athletic directors, but. Uh, they were happy not to see Josh Whitman's name on, on that, so they can breathe easy potentially for at least. 
I don't know, you hope a decade or two, but uh, maybe only a couple of years with the way it's been going here recently. But my biggest takeaway is this is a guy that was a TV sports executive at CBS Sports, ABC Sports, MLB Network, was a former CEO, COO of Major League Baseball. This is the trend, man, is to get TV executives to run your college sports conference. Uh, Brett Yormack was an executive at Rock Nation, Jay-Z's talent agency, right? Um, also was at NASCAR and Brooklyn Sports Entertainment, which has the, the Brooklyn Nets games and all that. Um, you've seen George Klyakov, I can never say his name. He was the president of sports uh, and entertainment at MGM Sports International before becoming the Pac-12 commissioner. So Jim Phillips and Greg Sankey, kind of these athletics administrators who rise up the ranks, those guys are becoming more rarities. Like now, I mean, these last three out of the last four hires have been TV sports executives, Joey, because what separates these conferences? It is their sports media rights deals. Yeah, two point. I'm going to address something before I ask you a question. Um, I remember being in Tampa. We were in Tampa when it was announced that Kevin Warren was going to the Bears. Uh, and I think we cover this program, this athletic department. We, we kind of thought like, well, we don't think so, but yeah. what about Whitman? And I think we, if I remember right, we came to a thought process that like the shelf life of commissioners in power conferences has really changed. It's not the 30 year uh, commissioner seat that, that we've seen in the past or 20 years. It's, it's what, 10? I mean, 10 seems to be it depends on the guy. That. Like I, I think Jim Phillips would be a lifer. I, I, if Josh Whitman got the job eventually, I think he'd want to be a lifer, but I think Josh Whitman has planned. And he, I think he said this, like, this is he wants this to be his last job, Illinois. But like being the Big Ten commissioner, why would that not appeal to him? Like why would that not appeal to anybody? Being one of the most the two most important people in college athletics, the SEC and Big Ten commissioner. I mean, zoom out. That's like you could argue a top five job in all of sports um, in North America in, in terms of, of being a commissioner. Yeah, NFL commissioner, NBA commissioner, probably have MLB commissioner still in that. But yeah, I would say Big Ten and SEC commissioner after that. Yeah. You could make a real argument for it. Uh, but I think you and I came to the thought that like, okay, we probably don't anticipate Josh being this guy. But what about the next? Yeah. Like we we did what everyone does in recruiting. Who's next? We did that before they even had like the next commissioner. We before went, we even knew Tony Petiti's name. Yeah, yeah, we went two commissioners down the line in our conversations with it. But I do want to ask you, as you see the way that commissioners are going, like, yeah. What does it tell you that leagues want out of their commissioner? I think you think of people that are in sports media. It's a lot about branding, right? Um, what I find interesting is I thought Jim Phillips would have been set up well for the the NCAA side of this. Like, what is the NCAA going to be? What are the lawsuits going on? Like, I mean, obviously, Petiti has when you interview for this job, you have to have some research on that because what if you have to pay student athletes as employees coming up? Like that is the, one of the biggest things on the docket, but it's still about making the most money for your conference so that you have the most appealing conference can get the best coaches. You can get the best players. You can attract you know all these fans to your games. Like that, that's what this is all about. So it's run by money, Joey. It's run by sports media deals. That's what it tells me. Now, Petiti talks Friday afternoon 
So we'll get to hear a little bit more on him about some of these other issues going on in college athletics. But for as rocky as his start was, Kevin Warren certainly set up his successor pretty well. Now, maybe anybody could have done that in this job. Maybe anybody, as I've been told by some athletics administrators, could have, you and I, could have done the $1 billion a year deal, like the $8 billion uh, deal that the Big Ten just did for the sports media rights. Maybe, but he did it. He got UCLA and USC here, at least accepted them into the conference. So the fact that you have that waiting for you, like this is this is a powerhouse. It's not like you're taking the ACC where it's like, is that going to be a, a real conference, power conference in 10 years? I don't know. The Big Ten is yeah, solidified. It does feel like after those first eight or nine months for Kevin Warren, things kind of settled down. I think his biggest issue in those first months were just an issue of communication. In relationships, like he, yeah. Yeah, they're poor on all fronts. Um, yeah, this is – outside of being the commissioner of the Big Ten, which, as we know, with the TV deal, is the second richest conference in college athletics – you got a pretty good wave of you're getting out west. Like everything's set up, man. Like you don't have to. A lot of those those tasks have been completed. Those rocks moved. Like no, that's not saying like he's got an easy job in front of him. He's still the commissioner of the Big Ten, but right. it's a pretty attractive uh, attractive job for somebody getting into the college sports world as as a commissioner. Yeah. So I don't have a big take on him. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about him tomorrow, but. Uh, yeah, I think he's taken over a good thing, and he just kind of follows the trend of what we've seen uh, in college athletics. All right, before we get out of here, I do want to mention some of the visitors. Uh, Alan True, as is reported, uh, will be here for Illinois football this weekend. Sounds like there will be more than just these couple guys, but two in-state guys worth mentioning here. Imarian Stewart, a four-star prospect, was at Bolingbrook, now is transferred to Chicago Kenwood. Um, Four-star in the composite, really high three-star in 24-7. Top 10 prospect in the state, has offers from a myriad of of top programs. Michigan is involved here. But he's been on campus multiple times, Joey. And I think Illinois has got some work to do to to win this recruitment. But again, getting him back on campus and potentially setting yourself up to get him for an official visit – this is what you want to see. You want to see Illinois involved for the state's top prospect. Marion Stewart feels like four years ago, Illinois wouldn't have had a shot at. At least now, you seem to be in the mix. So, a uh, dynamic wide receiver, 6'1", 180, plays bigger than, than that, um, even though he's he's got this quickness, too. Um, I think he's kind of a, a Ricky Smalling with a little bit more quickness to him, so a, a dynamic prospect here. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Four years ago, you're not getting him on campus. Two years ago, you might get him on campus, but it might be a, hey, yeah, we'll swing through yeah. to get him multiple times on campus. That's a uh, that's it shows that Illinois is, one interested in these battles. Um, that they are interested in getting the top players in the state of Illinois. It's not a hot take or new information, and they're putting themselves in a position to be under real consideration. And yeah. George McDonald um, deserves a lot of credit. It appears he's. He's really made a lot of inroads uh, with wide receiver recruits, especially in the state of Illinois. Uh, Malik Elzey was a, obviously a really big give, but you're seeing that here again in the class of 2024. And I don't want to overlook, I think getting a Malik Elzey makes it more likely that you get the next caliber of prospect like Malik Elzey, right? Like that's it's so important to get players like that because they have respect among their peers and their peers who have all these great options go oh malik oh he's going to illinois man we could team together we could do some great things together 
someone's got to make it cool again. Yeah. Right. And it, you're and like, don't overlook how close a lot of, especially in state recruits are. I mean, they see each other everywhere, pick a camp. They're all there. And, yeah. and it matters when you get one. And now it's just a matter of building momentum in the class of 2024 and getting some of these visitors a few times yeah. and the approach they're doing it. And uh, we can talk about that quickly if you'd like and uh, not can, going. Yeah. Can yeah, I, can right? I add yeah, one yeah, more, yeah, just yeah. the other visitor uh, that we have uh, confirmed that is uh, definitely coming down um, this weekend. Hold on. Let me get the right, the right screen here. But um, yeah, Austin Alexander, who is a, another top prospect in the state of Illinois, uh, Chicago Heights, Marion Catholic, prospect who's a top 12 in the state in the composite top eight according to 24 7 sports uh was formerly uh committed to wisconsin i believe and uh, now has offers from usc you know wisconsin's obviously in the mix iowa is in the mix he's had a lot of big time programs come in but he's visited illinois before and, and now you get him back on campus again kind of setting yourself up like the spring is the time to get these guys on campus you know they're interested and it's about convincing them to come back for an official visit of course joey you want some commitments Illinois only has one commitment at this point um and last year at this point they had two so it's not like that far off but usually july is when you get a lot of those guys to come on board but if you could get one of them early whether it's a, a Luke Williams from Naperville North or a Tyshawn Griffin from Morgan Park, if you could get one of those guys in April or May and then bring them along and all of a sudden you get some of these other top guys from in-state taking official visits, I think it's a good sign. I think it's a, a good process that they're following here. Yeah, I think we saw the the bones of that laid in the 2022 class where they had a, a big group of official visitors and I think eight of them, Jeremy, in that first weekend were committed to Illinois, it's kind of a swarming effect on some of those other visitors. And I think you'd like to see Illinois get a little bit closer to that. As you, There's still a long way to go before official visit season really yeah. heats up in the summer. If you can get one, one or two more guys to jump on board and ride a wave of, of momentum into official visit season, I think that's doesn't hurt, yeah. right? I mean, it certainly helps them. And I, I think it's also interesting to note that they're – more or less moving in waves in terms of visitors instead of a big junior day where there's 85 people or, or whatever the number may be on campus. This is fits a little bit more of what we've heard Brett Bielema say. So the actions are more following up what we've, we've heard about building some of those personal relationships and weaving recruits in with one another and, and kind of building in that way, which is not an approach everyone uses, um, but it, it seems to in some capacity have yielded some good results for Brett Bielema in Illinois. It feels like I haven't counted them up, but it feels like they're really in the mix for about half the top 20 prospects in the state. And if you can land a handful of those, it's a heck of a class, right? Three, four of them. That's a, that's a good class. Um, so it's just amazing how much progress they have made uh, in state. And in your, your one commitment so far, we saw Brandon Hanson, man, from the first time I saw him to now – He's gotten massive. Like, he is all of an offensive tackle's body. So, um, I thought that was a really good first addition to the class. All right, we, we got to get out of here. We've been here for more than an hour. Uh, but let's follow Lazy Forrest Gump's advice here. Let's get these guys some likes. More than 100 people in here, only 30-something likes. So, yeah, on your way out, give us a like. Subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. We enjoy doing these live streams with you guys. And if you give us a like, you get notified. Subscribe to us, you get notified. Uh, and we can it really helps us out when you guys do that. Any final thoughts here, Joey, before we get out? 
either enjoy this next six weeks or don't, man. It's going to be stressful. I get it. Um, see what happens. We'll see what happens in six weeks, and and hopefully for the sake of, of everyone who follows it and, and for some time off, that those answers come before the end of that six-week stretch. Well, appreciate everybody listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. We've got plenty more coming up at Illini Enquirer, whether it's basketball transfer portal, whether it's football recruiting, a big weekend coming up for Illinois again, the spring game, Illini women's basketball trying to add more to the roster, and spring sports. Uh, we got a softball story coming out tomorrow. They've been struggling a little bit. Jonathan Alday, our intern, wrote a little bit about that. So keep it at Illini Enquirer. And, of course, again, 50% off VIP sale for the next several days. Great chance to sign up and get a huge discounted price to get everything Illini Enquirer offers. For Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.